Welcome to the Ottawa Business Podcast. On this podcast, we bring you interviews with business owners, executives, and key players operating in and around the Ottawa, Ontario, Canada region to gain their insights on business, marketing, leadership, and motivation. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Joining me today on the show, Rocco Manfredi, real estate agent with Royal LePage. Rocco is going to share with us some of the keys to his success for the past 33 years. We're going to discuss all things real estate related, get his insights on the current market, and we're also going to find out what's made him successful for the past 33 years. You're going to want to tune into this. Welcome, everybody, to the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Joining me today on the show is Rocco Manfredi, 33 years with Royal LePage. Rocco, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Just so the, uh, just so the audience knows, I think the, uh, the audience is going to get tremendous value here today from, from hearing some of the insights from someone like Rocco. Uh, Rocco and I met, we, we had known of each other for a number of years. We finally met last year. Uh, when we were both uh, working, uh, volunteering our time with uh, a great foundation here in Ottawa, the Miracle Marnie Foundation, providing um, providing some really really good work in uh, in children's cancer. So, a uh, hats off here to uh, Thomas Genioli, who's probably listening to this for for bringing us together. Uh, and since then, Rocco and I have uh, have gotten to know each other. I've actually uh, with my firm, the Pagioni Group, we've actually helped Rocco a little bit with his uh, with his social media, and uh, and I think Rocco's got a lot that he can pass on from from his successes, uh, certainly over the past thirty three years uh, in real estate. To those people that are listening to this show that are either in business for themselves, looking to start your own business, or looking to become uh, better at your craft. Uh, so, Rocco, it's a pleasure to have you here on the show. Maybe we could start. Uh, with uh, talking about your, uh, your sort of your background and and upbringing and uh, and br- bring the audience sort of full circle from 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 your roots here, Rocco. Sure. Uh, well, you know, it's a story like others. Uh, basically, uh, I'm the oldest of four kids. Uh, it's myself and three sisters, uh, Valentina, Oriana, and Giovanna. Uh, my parents, uh, basically, my dad came here in 1953 when he was 13 years old, uh, you know, looking for a better life, uh, worked, uh, went to school at St. Anthony's School. School wasn't for him, quit school at 14 and a half, got a job as a dishwasher, uh, did that for a couple of years. And then my grandfather put him in construction and he was in construction his whole life. He went back to Italy in 1963, met my mom. They got married in three months. Uh, he brought her over here. And uh, uh, just over a year and a bit later, I, she had me when uh, she was very young. She got married very young. And by 23 years old, she had four kids. Uh, wow. You know, I watched them work their, work their butt off. You know, like, like a lot of people, when, when I say they started with nothing, they started with nothing. Uh, they had to finance their fridge and stove in their first home, you know, um, uh, what they did and how they raised us, I look back and I still, I'm still amazed that they did it and how they did it. Uh, I, I think that myself and my sisters, you know, turned out okay. I think uh, we uh, were, were, were kids of a generation that uh, 
saw our parents bust their ass to, to give their, their families food on the table. Um, we lived very humbly. We, we, we didn't have a lot. We didn't go on holidays. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't go to restaurants. Uh, we watched my dad work, but we always had dinner together. Every, mm-hmm. every day my dad would be home. We had dinner together. Um, we, we did as much family time things as we could, but that didn't mean going anywhere. That was just spending time as a family. Um, you know, from that, uh, we were, I was pushed by my mother to do well in school. Wasn't always the best student, but you know, I was always that anywhere <laughs> from 70 to 80. I, I yeah, did okay. Yeah. I mean, I was happy, you know, yeah. back in those days, I was just happy to get a pass. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, my mom said push to get better, but she always told me, you know, do your best. Yeah. She, she didn't put pressure on me. She just always said, do your best. And that's what I pass on to my kids. I go, I don't want nineties. I don't, I don't care. Do your best. If you do your best, I'm happy with that. Yeah. And that's, I got that from my mom. Uh, Did, my dad was, there was, any, made, was there any pressure though, Rockle, because you're the only, you're the, you were the only the boy sibling. Uh, there wasn't pressure. There was, there was always that attitude. Listen, you know what? You're the first born. You're uh, you got to okay. get good marks. You got to be a lawyer. You know, they always pushed. They always wanted to be a, be a lawyer, <laughs> you know? Be a lawyer. And, and when I went to university, that's kind of what, a, what the intention was. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I went, I did okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I went to Glebe Collegiate. Um, yeah. And after that, it's like, you know, time to go to university. Uh, went to Carleton University. I took basically uh, law courses and uh, psychology courses. Uh, but everything changed in second year university. Uh, I was doing okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the auditoriums at Carleton University, you got a couple hundred students. And, uh, you know, you start to sit sit by somebody a couple times and you start chatting up with them. And yeah. so this guy here, like, I mean, you know, this guy sat next to the guy. He had long hair, you know, down to his shoulders. <laughs> he wore a jean jacket with like little marijuana patches and ACDC and all these patches. And, you know, starts breaking up a conversation with him. And I thought... Uh, you know, what are you, uh, what are you going to do? And he looks at me and goes, well, I'm going, I'm going to be a lawyer. And I, I looked at him. I thought, yeah, so am I. And I looked at him and I thought, holy cow. And then he tells me, but he's already got a job. He actually already has a job uh, after he finishes uh, school. And I looked at him. I thought, who's going to hire this guy? Yeah. But he said his father owns a law firm downtown and he's going to go work with him. Yeah. And right then and there in my second year of university, it changed everything for me. Because I went home and I thought, wow, I could get 99%, be the best in my class, this guy's still getting the job. Yeah. So it made me realize, you know what, it's important on having an education, but it's not what you know, it's who you know. And, you know, that's, and, and that's, that's, really, that's really, really good, Rocco. Can you dive a little more into that and how that's helped you? Well, it's helped me tremendously. And like I said, I don't regret going to university one bit. I met so many people in university. I think it did teach me something. It, it taught me to, uh, you know, think things through, be a little bit more mm-hmm. patient, uh, understand the entire situation instead of looking at it one point of view. Um, and, and it's helped me tremendously. Uh, but, you know, it's funny at that time when I, when I discussed this and I was in that little bit of state of limbo, I was reading a book, uh, believe it or not, by Donald Trump called The Art of the Deal. Yep. And in that book, the majority of the world's millionaires made their money in real estate. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I have always liked real estate. My dad was in construction. I go to sites with him. And I said, you know what? I finished university and I, I decided to take my, uh, my real estate course. And that was 1987. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, 
What, what was your dad just just to throw this out there you know i know a lot of having an italian background myself was was your dad a, a real estate owner as well with rental properties and my dad had bought his first rental property in i believe it was 1981 okay so i got into real estate uh 8081 i got into real estate in 83 so he had already had uh uh two rental properties two little bungalows yeah and I'll tell you the story. I mean, I, I kind of laugh, you know, my, my dad's, my dad's, uh, my dad's philosophy on his investment uh, strategy was very simple. He bought one house and then a couple years later, he bought another house. Then I got mm -hmm. into real estate and I sold him another house and we're at dinner one night and he says, you know, I need to buy one more house. And I looked at him with my sisters all around the table. I said, dad, why, why do you need another house? He says, well, I got three. I go, I know. He goes, well, I need four. I go, why do you need four? Well, I got four kids. I said, why? He goes, well, at least if you're all dummies, at least you'll have a place to live. <laughs> That's and really I know good. it sounds mean, but you know no, what? It's true. Very true. It's, it's they, he thought about, he thought about his kids. He, he didn't, wasn't thinking about himself, you know? Yeah. And, uh, well, and look and, at all the and, people and, today and, and the way the market's going. If they all had a house given to them, geez, that would be a great start. Well, a great start, but you know, I mean, I've been telling, I've been telling a lot of clients of mine for the last 15 years because prices always have been going up and it, the conversation has always been, how are our kids going to afford these homes? Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm 55. Uh, a lot of my, a lot of my friends, you know, they got married in their twenties and they had kids early and I'd go over and I say, how are our kids going to afford these homes? How are our kids going to afford these homes? Yeah. And I told them, I said, guys, why don't you guys buy an investment property? Buy one or two, just buy them. So at least your kids will have something. Yeah. And some did, some did, some, some bought into it, whereas other ones didn't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not for everybody, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of benefits to owning real estate, but mm -hmm. you have to go in with the right mentality. If you mm -hmm. don't go in with the right mentality, don't do it. And when you say right mentality, like what, what, what's the key in, in that right mentality? It's another job. It's, okay. it's hard work. Yeah. It, it's so it's committing easy. the time. It's committing to the time. It's committing to getting the calls at two in the morning that your basement's yeah. flooded and you have to go over. It's committing to getting calls on Sunday saying, listen, uh, my fridge isn't working. You yeah. know, it's committing to getting people calling you angry because, you know, something went wrong and they're not happy with it. You, you, mm -hmm. you know, you got to treat it as another job and yeah. it's time. Yeah, that's, 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 that's really good. Just, just want to, backtrack a little bit here Rocco to 87 when you started in real estate G give us give us a snapshot of what that looked like because I think a lot of people are obviously aware of how good the market is today what was it like in 87 when you started so when I got into the market in 87 I started with a company called Campanelli real estate uh, they're now Campanelli homes their, okay. their three brothers came from I believe Sault Ste. Marie uh, it was the best training you can get you know it was old school you had to cold call every day. You had to go door knocking. You had to call private for sales. Yeah. You had to go basically, you had to do everything. Uh, yeah. And they trained us in everything. And they told us that, you know, you sell real estate, whether it's residential, commercial, industrial, land, uh, uh, leasing, you do mm -hmm. it all. If there's a commission to it, you sell, that's your job. And, and you know, the training was invaluable, to be honest with you. Uh, but the market was flying. The market was on fire. Like, uh, I mean, you know, we had, we had 60 agents in that office, I believe at that time and some big names, big names in the industry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like the, the front door was like a revolving door. There was people coming and going and deals being made left and right. 
Uh, 87 was good. 88 was good. 89 was good. Then the 90s hit. And the 90s, uh, the economy turned. Uh, from, what I, what, from what I see, the banks basically started changing their lending rates. I know commercial real estate took a beating and a lot of people lost a lot of property in commercial without missing a mortgage payment. The banks yeah. just stopped funding commercial, which okay. was, te was terrible. People lost their property and they never missed a mortgage payment, but the wow. banks wouldn't fund them. Wow. And it all turned after that. But so did it key, trickle key, down to the residential side too then? Everything, everything. Okay. So the key with that though, Paul, is why I want to make one important point. When I started in 1987, the interest rates were 14 and a half. Wow. And, for, and, and, and the talk by the coffee machine was, could you imagine if the interest rates ever got down to 10%? Wow, like that, that's crazy. So I tell people this, and, and sometimes they don't grasp it, and they think I'm crazy. But I tell them that it's cheaper to buy a house today than it was back in 1987. Because wow. in 1987, I worked it out. We used to have our little mortgage books. A, a $1 million mortgage in 1987 was costing about $15,000 a month. Okay. That same million dollar mortgage today is probably under 4,000 a month. That's crazy. That is absolutely so, crazy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now back in 87, when the market's flying and you're doing cold calls, I want to drill into this because this is part of my DNA. Did you guys have, you know, do you guys have computers or how did you, how did you make all those calls? No, 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 no. We had a book, we had a book <laughs> called the reverse directory. It was about yeah. five inches thick yeah. and it had every street in the city of Ottawa with every owner's name and number in there. So you would pick a street, you'd yep. go photocopy it on the machine, and you would call that whole street. That's incredible. That's incredible. See, it, it, nowadays it's a little bit harder because there's the do not call list, and yeah. you got to respect that, and you just can't pick up and call everybody. Yeah. But yeah. you could still go door knocking. You know, you can still you know get get in front of people. That's one thing. Like I'm a little old school, and I tell all the new agents coming in, I tell them you got to be in front of somebody's face. It's good to be on a computer. It's good to be on emails, but you know what? Face-to-face -face contact yeah. is, is much better if you're building a relationship. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well said. Well said. So maybe just, just finish off with sort of the nineties. Cause this is quite the, uh, this is quite the history lesson with, with real estate uh, to Ottawa back in the nineties. When did it turn back? You know what? It turned back. I'll tell you exactly when it turned back because uh, I can almost pinpoint the day because I, I got a listing on Halloween night, 1999. I got oh, a listing God. in Steeple Hill. It was a big house, big custom built house, 3,000 yeah. square feet. And I can't remember what we listed it at, but if I'm not mistaken, it was something like 589 or around. I'm not sure exactly, but we listed it. I listed it Halloween night, 1999. <laughs> For the next couple of weeks, you know, next week or so, yeah, uh, really no calls. The owners called me and said, like, what's going on? We're not getting any calls. I said, I know, but you know what? It's still early. And then, then come like, you know, middle of November, I started getting a showing on the house. And then I got another showing. And, you know, the showing started to trickle in. Then yeah. by the end of November, I'm getting some serious phone calls. I get a call from one agent who tells me that they have a client who lives in California, started up a little... Uh, little high tech company, but he needs to have a home in, in Canada for his tax reasons. So can I go take pictures of the house and send it to him? Well, back then we were using a normal camera, but okay. somebody in the office actually had a digital camera, which wow. <laughs> just new. Yeah, exactly. It was. Wow. <laughs> so I asked him, can I borrow your camera? take a few pictures. Cause I need to send them down to California. Yeah. He let me borrow it. I sent it down. 
the guy was coming up and it was December, it was probably December 6th. So he came up and he looked at the house on a Saturday, gave me the offer Saturday, right, right after he showed it, almost for full price, 10,000 off of asking. And he gave me a short irrevocable and I had to track the owners down. They were at a Christmas party. Okay. So I knew who they were. I called all their family members and I finally tracked them down after about eight phone calls. They were at a Holy Christmas cow. party uh, at their cousin's place. So I went to the door and I said, hi, can I speak to so-and-so? They're looking at me going, how do you know they're here? Well, I called this cousin. I called his cousin. They told me they're here. It's like a James Bond operation. It almost was. And uh, they came to the door and they're like, what's the matter? They thought it was an emergency. I said, I got an offer on your house. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, I go, but the guy needs to know tonight because he's going back to California tomorrow. And believe it or not, this was December 6th or 7th. We basically countered back at full price, but he had to have the closing date as December 21st, which is, which is within two weeks. <laughs> and my clients are like, well, we can't move out in two weeks. And he agreed that he can let them stay till the middle of January, but he need to have the deal closed by, okay. by before the year end. Okay. You know what? We made that deal. Yeah. And right after that, the market really just started to pick up more and more and more. And then okay. you remember 1999, right? When the world was going to end because yeah, 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 yeah. going to crash. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Planes were going to fall out of the sky. And yeah. Year 2000. Gonna go. Yeah. So right after that happened and everybody realized that nothing changed. You know what? Come January, February, March, it started to pick up and it started to pick up and the momentum changed and it, okay. it just kept picking up and it kept going. It kept going. In my yeah. opinion, it kept going right till today. Okay. Okay. So it's, so it's kind of been that, that upward trajectory since then. Well, yeah, everyone says there was a little bit of a, a market correction in 2008 and you know, I was in it in 2008 and yeah. I really didn't consider it a market correction. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like now, like you can't keep going full steam up. There has to be a little bit of a time when it plateaus a little bit just to give it a little bit of breath. And I think that's what's happening now because okay. we've been on a, we've been on a roll for the last couple of years. That's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Now tell me, t tell me about, uh, you know, so we've progressed to, to for, through the, years of 2000 right to today tell us about the team you have over there rocco at the menfredi group and and, well, and, the, and the key to having the right people yeah so i've 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 basically i've been on my own for the most part uh, i started a team i think it's been now uh it's probably been about seven years okay six or seven years that i've that first i started my team six seven years ago and, and you know there's growing pains i mean you you know, you hire an, uh, an admin yeah. and that admin has great qualifications, but they come in and just doesn't seem to be the level of uh, uh, workmanship and uh, quality that you're used to. Okay. Uh, then, then, then they leave. Then you hire a buyer's agent. I got my first buyer's agent. You know, this guy came in with all the right ideas, but he wanted everything now. He wanted, he wanted to be me in a year. I said, okay. it took me. 27 years to be me. How do you want to be me in a year? But that's, that's the thing. They, they want yeah. that. They want that instant gratification. Yeah. Uh, then I tried another admin. I tried another buyer's agent. Uh, you know, they stay with you a year. They, they kind of, you know, all think that they can do it on their own. And I tell everybody, I go, you know, like, like, like my dad always told his tradespeople, you got to learn your trade for three to five years. After that, if you do, a, if you really study hard and, and listen, you'll do well after three to five years. Mm -hmm. And I've told them all, but mm -hmm. after a year, they all think they can do it on their own. And you know what? For the most part, they can.
But mm -hmm. education is never lost. And people sometimes don't understand the little things that they can learn that will help them 10 years, 20 years down the road. Yeah. 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 And what, what markets do, do you serve in, in, in uh, real estate? Uh, so just, just to finish off on the team so far. Yeah, sorry. for sure. Uh, so, so I, I went through, I went through like, you know, trying people left and right. And right now, you know what, I got a great team. I got, uh, I got two ladies. I got Linda who's been in real estate for 30 years. She remembered me when I interviewed her from Campanelli because she was actually working at Campanelli in 1987 <laughs> when I started. And, wow. And that's incredible. Just, yeah. And I hired another lady. Um, and I hired another lady, uh, Diane Tuplin, who come is originally from the East coast. She's got 21 years in real estate and a lot of experience and she's old school uh, real estate like me. She likes door knocking. She likes open houses. She likes meeting people. She likes yeah. building relationships. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, I also, I'm lucky. Uh, I, I have a good uh, working relationship with Luigi Aiello, who I've been working with for a long time. And, okay. you know, we, we got, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's working with other agents, like working with your peers is so important. Everybody believes that real estate, you know, it's a competition. You know, and I tell them, it's not a competition. These are people you work with. These yeah. are people that, you know, you're going to do deals with. you got to get along with every single agent. It's the most important thing you can do. Yeah, because that's a good point. Because when it comes down to it, you're in it together. You're there to make a deal. You're there to take care of your clients. And you got to put your ego aside. Yeah, that's... That's really well said. Really, really well said. What, just want to circle back to the, you know, this, the, the staff that, that you have over the years and trying, trying to teach them that, that patience. Would you say, in, in hearing what, what you're saying, Rocco, that patience is lacking a lot of times from, from new staff members? Patience is lacking in everybody. Yeah. To be honest with you, okay. I find that uh, that's the one thing that I'm, I'm trying to teach my daughters Okay. Um, I, I went to, I, I was, I was, I was fortunate enough to meet this, uh, this executive with the bank of Montreal and he had a, he had a child and you know, his child was in private school and he started, we started talking about kids and he looked at me, he said, you know what the number one trait of your child's future financial success is? And I thought, you know, education, no, nope. uh, school, yeah. like what school you go to? No, I, I listed three or four. I go, I go, I got no idea. Yeah. He looked at me, he said, patience. He goes, patience, patience is the number one trait for your child's future financial success. That's incredible. And I thought about it because I, I, I like to study. When someone tells me something, I think it through. Yeah. And I thought about it. And, you know, it's so true. I mean, people jump into things too fast. People yeah. make decisions too quickly. People make judgments too quickly. But, you know, that's one thing I look back at university that helped me think. Because I always look at everything from two sides. Everything. No matter whether I'm working on a deal, no matter whether I'm talking with my wife, no matter I'm trying to look at my, with my kids or friends, mm -hmm. you got to look at both sides. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of people don't take that minute, five minutes and, and, and do that. They just automatically just rush into something and, and yeah. just, you know, go with it where I find patience has helped me a lot. And I never really thought I was a patient guy, but <laughs> I've had people tell me like, wow, you're very patient. I'm looking at myself. Really? I didn't think so. But <laughs> If you're telling me, I guess yeah, I'm just more patient than other people. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure I'm. You know, we'll 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 touch on this a little bit uh, a little bit later here. But I think uh, hearing what you're saying, I think being patient as well when it comes to to real estate is is pretty important as well. 
Well, I've seen people make a lot of mistakes rushing into buying a property. And I've told yeah. them, I said, guys, you have to really, no, no, we like it. We like it. I go, but you have to, you know, and you can't rush real estate. It's a big investment. It's, it's yeah. a big, it's probably some, for most people, it's the biggest amount of money you're going to spend in your lifetime. Yeah. And, you know, I heard a saying years ago, uh, when you're buying a house, it's different. When you're buying a house, you're buying on emotion. And the thing was, is that, you know, uh, people, men, women will spend more time buying a dress than they'll be spend time buying a house. Right. And men, and men will spend more time buying a car than they will buying a house. Mm -hmm. And it's true. I've sold homes in five minutes. They've walked in. Yeah, we like it. We'll take it. I go, well, you haven't seen the basement. <laughs> you haven't seen the bedrooms. <laughs> no, no, we get a feel. We like this house. It's, you know. That's incredible. That's incredible. Are you, are you getting more of that? Are you, do, do, while we're on the topic, are you getting more of that today with the, the market being so, so frantic? Well, you know, the market right now is, uh, is I, I, I call it, it's, uh, it's in a frenzy. Yeah. Uh, it's the only way I can put it because, uh, you know, I find some people are starting to panic. Okay. And it's like they have to buy this house because they just lost the last five and they don't want to lose this one, even though they don't okay. like it. And okay. I'm like, if you don't like it, why are you buying it? Because yeah. they don't want to lose it. And, and they get into this, becomes into a winning mentality. And okay. you can't look at real estate as a winning mentality. You know, this is a house you're buying for your family. This is going to determine where your kids grow up. This is going to determine what schools your kids go to, who their friends are going to be. But people are, are really starting to panic in, they need to buy this because if they don't buy this, they, find, they won't find a house. There's, okay. always, there's always homes for sale. There's like homes always come up for sale. So you got to basically be patient and, and the right home. I always, I've always told people, you know what? The right home will, is out there. It just not, may, may not be out there right now. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. What, what, what market, just want to talk, on, talk about the markets a little bit here, uh, Rocco. Like, is it just residential that you work in or do you do some commercial as well? No, I, 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 do, uh, I do residential, I do commercial, I do industrial, okay. I do vacant land, I do commercial land, I do leasing. I, you know, uh, the, the problem is it's time, right? Uh, right. You know, and that's why I have a team because there's just not enough time in the day. Yeah, good and, point. you know, yeah. that's why I work with other agents. I mean, Time is the most valuable thing we have. And uh, sometimes we waste it. Uh, and then when you get too busy, you know, and you don't have enough time, you realize how valuable it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's well said. Okay, I'm just going to do a little bit of a transition here um, for the audience, because I think there's a lot of business principles that we touched on some of them already. Um, but what would you say, Rocco, are the pillars of your success that have helped you over the, over the past 33 years? What are those foundational pieces that have done and served you well? You know, I, I've thought about this question a lot because over the years, you know, agents have come up to me and said, you know, how do you do so well? How, how come you're always right up there in the top of your company? And, and you know, when you think about it, I, I don't know how to answer that to them other than, the one one thing I just I just work I work hard I have a I have a extremely good work ethic that I mm -hmm. learned from my mother and father uh, you know uh, you know there's a uh, you get up early you get up early in the morning you put your boots on and you go to work and you, you know real estate unfortunately real estate's a little bit of a job that it could swallow you up and if you get caught up in the business of real estate and the 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 glory of real estate and the 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 the, the part that shines you know you're going to get swallowed up because real estate's a job and you got to treat it like a job. 
I tell all the young agents, show up at 8.30, leave at 5. You know, yeah. that's, that's, that's your job. You got you to gotta go in there and you got to work while you're there. Don't sit at the office and talk to everybody. You got to work. Go in there with a plan that what you're going to do that day and mm. work. So for me, it's been, it's been building relationships built on uh, hard work, uh, ethics, and being honest. Being honest to your clients and being honest to yourself. What, what do you, I've, when you say swallowed up, what do you, what do you mean by swallowed up? Like, well, you get caught up, you get caught up in the, uh, the, the, the game of real estate. You get caught up of being a real estate agent, but not doing any work. You know, you oh, show up to the office oh, and you think that you're an agent and uh, I'm going to wait yeah. for a deal to come to me. And, and then, then all of a sudden you realize you're not making any money. Then you realize that you're, you're, you're not doing anything. Well, you're not doing any deals cause you're not working. Right. But everybody says they work, they go home and they go, I put a hard day in today. And I look yeah. at them, I go, they didn't do nothing. <laughs> they didn't do nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then a week goes by and a month goes by. And, and before you know it, it's, 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 yep. it's a couple of months that pile on and it's bad habits that, that add up talking about the honesty. Let's, let's, let's cut to that. Cause I think that's very lacking today in a lot of business. Uh, just, yep. just telling people the way it is. What would you suggest or, or tell the audience in terms of, in terms of how honesty has served you well? Well, so the way I've done my business right from day one is I've said to myself, I put myself in my client's shoes. If my client's buying an $80,000 townhouse, I put myself in their situation if I, if I act as if I was them. And mm-hmm. I look at this townhouse and I'd say to myself, if I look at it and say, yeah, I would buy this, I would let them know this is, this is something that you can be happy with. If I look at it and said that this is not something that I could live in, and I ask, and then I, I figure why I would tell them why, and then I leave it up to them. Then it's up to them. And it's, okay. it's whether it's an $80,000 townhouse, whether it's a $400,000 piece of land, uh, whether yeah. it's a, a $1 million house, it doesn't matter what it is. You got to put yourself in their situation and ask yourself, if it was you, would you spend your money to buy mm-hmm. this? And if it's overpriced, would you step in and tell them, look, I think, I think this is, this is a little bit too oh. pricey. Hundred percent. I've I've yeah. I've told people I I I've I've convinced clients not to buy a house because really I've told them that oh I've told them listen this is not worth it because it's backing onto hydro towers this is overpriced because you know it's mm-hmm. it's it's a hundred thousand dollars than the same house that just sold down the street yeah uh, you know yeah you, you have to be listen my job is to be honest with them as long yeah. as I tell them it's up to them to make their decision I'm not right. going to tell them what to do but at least I could say that I gave them my honest opinion and then mm-hmm. they made their decision. My job, real estate agents' jobs are to basically tell people the facts, tell yeah. people, give them as much information as we can and then let them make the right decision. And I think that's where a lot of that patience comes in too, because you've seen it, you know, you might've seen that this scenario play out and, and you give them the advice. And like you say, it's up, it's up to them. What, what does a typical day look like for, for you, Rocco? A typical day? Uh, you know, my days change, but I mean, a typical day is I get up at around quarter to five, five o'clock. I'll, I'll, you know, get out of bed. Uh, basically I, I get my phone and, uh, I'll listen to some uh, motivational, you know, the, go to YouTube and listen on what's, what's the new thing on as far as motivational speakers. Okay. Uh, and all that does is just basically put your mindset in the right space. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll usually like when, when the gyms were open, I would go to the gym or I'll either hop on the treadmill at home here. Uh, and it's a great way to listen to the motivational videos while you're on the treadmill. 
then you know what, I'll, I'll try to have a coffee with my wife. Um, before COVID, I used to meet, uh, we, we had a little coffee club with a couple of clients. We'd meet at 6.30, 7 o'clock every morning. I'd go do that. I'd, get, I'd come home, uh, have some breakfast with my daughters. Uh, and then they're off to school. Uh, I get ready to work and I'm out the door to go to work for 8.30, 9 o'clock. Okay. Once I get, once I get, so once <laughs> my work days are interesting because, <laughs> you know, I have my phone with me and I got my daily agenda plan, but things change all the time. Yeah. And I'll go, I'll go try to knock off all the things I had planned for the day. And if somebody wants to see me, you know, I'll work it in during the day. If somebody wants to go see a house, I just got a call before I got onto this, that somebody wants to see a house today at three o'clock. Well, yeah. you, you know, you do that. It's a matter of, uh, you know, moving things around. It's a matter of, you know, how, how do you fit it in? Yeah. Yeah. So, so being flexible is pretty important. You have to be flexible. Yeah. I mean, it's good to be, it's good to be systematic. It's good to be organized. Yeah. But at the end of the day with real estate, you have to be flexible. And the reason is, is because during a normal day, you know, anywhere from one to three to five problems are going to, are going to pop up during the day. Okay. And then you got to deal with those problems. And a lot of them, some of them are very, very important problems. Okay. You know? And leaving time to, to obviously to address those. Well, leaving time or making time. I yeah. mean, you know, uh, like I said, the time part is so, is so important because you just, you don't, you only like everybody, like I love this saying I learned in a motivational thing, you know, Bill Gates has 24 hours in a day. You know, the guy asking for money on the corner on the Queensway, when you're coming off the off ramp, he has 24 hours a day. What they do with their 24 hours is up to them. So yeah, that's really time. Good. We, we, we all have 24 hours in a day, but you know, ask yourself, what do you do with your time? Yeah. 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 You know, like when you get onto motivational speakers, uh, you know, I, one of my favorite is listening to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh yeah. His speech. You know, if you listen to his speech yeah. and you look at a guy that his whole life, he was told he couldn't do it. Yeah. His whole life, everything. If you, you, you got to watch this video cause it's you after, after you watch that, you have mm -hmm. to ask yourself if that guy can do what he did, how can I do not do what I want to do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Very, very true. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't seen that one. No, no. You, know, you got, you got to watch. It's about 20 yeah. minutes and you're, you're okay. going to sit there going, wow. And that's, I mean, and that's the great thing. We'll, we'll obviously touch, touch on a bit of the social media side too. Social yeah. media and YouTube. It's, there's so much great stuff out there to, to feed yourself, especially if you're, if you're in business today, looking for those, uh, for those, those motivations. Um, I'm just going to do a little bit here of a um, little bit of a turn here to, to the market. I just want to go back to the market for a little bit here, Rocco, and sort of recap 2020. I know the year's yeah. not over yet, um, but what's, what's changed? Obviously now we're in, we're in the midst of COVID here as we're, as we're shooting this, this interview, what's changed for, for buyers and sellers during COVID? Uh, well, the, what the most, the biggest thing that's changed is access and preparations of seeing homes and preparations of selling homes. Uh, like I said, back in, in March, when we got shut down, it was shut down. You couldn't do anything. Um, we, uh, I have an office inside of an office. So, you know, I, I could, I walk into my office door, take three steps, turn right. I'm in my office. So, you know, four days of staying home. Uh, in the middle of March was enough for me. I went to, I went to work every day. I, I sat at my, um, I sat at my desk by myself 
Yeah. And I just started calling people. I just started calling people, see how they were doing. Cause I just, I need to talk to That's people. Excellent. I just, awesome. I need, I have to well like, done. I got, I got so many friends. I just, I just love talking to people and you know, it was, it was, it was fun. And a lot of people, a lot of people appreciate it. I couldn't believe the fact that, you know, wait, thanks for, thanks for touching base. Yeah. Thanks for checking up. And I'm like, well, yeah. I just want to talk to somebody, but it was important. And, and it really made me And it's not like you're selling them to pitch them on, on, a, no. on a listing you got or. No, nothing, yeah. nothing. It was just to say, Hey, how you doing? You guys staying safe? What do you guys think of what's going on? And uh, so I kept doing that. And then when they started to open up, you had to wear gloves, you had to wear masks. You couldn't touch anything. Two people at a time. We only had half hour. Uh, you know, all those things, all those things made a change, you know, listings, a lot of people didn't want to list, but some people had to sell their house, right? They, they were financially bound to sell their house. So, okay. you know, you had to sell their house, but you had to take precautions. And, and then, you know, like it, it, real estate comes down to me or any kind of business comes down to economics 101. It's all supply and demand. And, you know, the demand was, the, the demand was still there. The supply was already low. The supply mm -hmm. was low last year. Add COVID, we even had less of a supply. Okay. But the demand grew. And the demand grew because the interest rates went from, you know, 3.67, you know, to 1.99, which they yeah. are now. I think I got, I got a client who got a mortgage for 1.87 for a five-year mortgage. 1.87? I still, one, I still oh, don't understand Lord. how he even did that. Wow. But, but that's what's driving the market. So, you know, if, if money's affordable, well, mm -hmm. people can afford to pay that extra fifty hundred thousand dollars $100,000 because it's only going to cost them you know, hundreds of dollars a month. So what the, the thing that's changed in COVID is that we've had to become very cautious and, mm -hmm. and respectfully for, for buyers and seller. Like, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's common sense. You know, if you're in somebody's house, you have to respect that. What, what, what do you see in, in the market uh, today? I don't want, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot and have you get the crystal ball out, but you know, because but you do have that experience, uh, as you mentioned, where you know you had those soft periods in the '90s. Like, what do you see here, Rocco, as you look out into 2021 and beyond? Well, one thing, one thing I've always, I've always preached is that you know the one thing I can guarantee. There's only one thing I can guarantee that nobody can predict the future. Uh, mm -hmm. People can guess, but nobody can actually predict it. So I've I've been talking to a lot of people, uh, business owners. Uh, commercial landlords, commercial owners, um, residential owners to see where they're, what's going on. And uh, the one thing I see is that I always say that history always repeats itself. If, if one thing I, I know to be true is that for some reason, history always seems to repeat itself in a certain way. And I saw what the mid nineties did with the commercial real estate, which, which was not good. And, you know, all these commercial owners are saying that, you know, Right now, everything's kind of okay because we're still not sure where it's going. But next year could be a pretty bad year for commercial real estate. And what happens is it, it becomes a trickle effect because somebody who owns a retail mall, well, if he loses that retail mall, it might be tied into his house. He might have a loan, uh, line of credit based on his okay. house. So you don't know what the trickle effect is going to come next year. It's going yeah. to be interesting to see. Um, I think there'll definitely going to be a, a few casualties you know, restaurants. I got a lot of friends that own restaurants and mm -hmm. these poor guys, they're working their butt off and they're making yeah. no money. They're losing. Yeah. Money. Those, yeah. I and, feel so bad for those guys. Oh, I just had a meeting at nine o'clock with one of them. And, uh, you know, he's, he's asking me what, what, you know, what, what should he be doing? Um, like the guy's working like, you know, five, six, seven, eight hours a day. And he's, he's not even making a penny. 
Yeah, that's know? crazy. And I just feel so bad for the guy. And, 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 and like I said, and why? Because the government has put these restrictions on them. And I yeah. understand the, the idea, but like I said, it's, uh, it's going to be hurting a lot of people. And I think come next year, that may take an effect on, uh, take an effect on the overall market. Okay. Okay. What about those people that, that are selling their homes? I'm just going to sort of digress a little bit because when we sold our last home in, uh, the toilet was loud. Like the guy was adamant that we needed a new toilet. Toilet worked fine. It was just too loud for him for whatever reason. And just was, we found it really bizarre. This guy, like, are you getting a lot of that stuff with people selling it? Are they getting really picky or? Well, I think as a society in general, we've become very picky. Okay. I think, uh, I think people, unfortunately, Paul, like I said, I'm an old school kind of guy. And, uh, you know, uh, I sell a lot of new homes and, you know, um, people are very picky. People okay. are extremely picky. And, you know, and, and, and the thing is, if, if there's something wrong, it needs to be fixed. But if there's something wrong and it's your opinion, well, that's a different story. Right. I mean, it's all subjective, right? The toilet right, exactly. well, compared to what? I mean, compared to what? <laughs> Well, I mean, this, this guy went to the point of us, you know, he wanted us to get the builder involved, which we did just to appease him. And the builder's like, dude, the toilet works. <laughs> just because it's yeah. loud doesn't mean we're fixing it. It works, you know? So well, I, think you're, got, I think you're right. We, we, we like I, my, you know, my parents drilled into me, like, you know what? There's two things you have to do. You have to respect and you have to appreciate, you know, be respectful and be appreciative of what you have. And I find that a lot of people aren't appreciative of, you know, certain things they're they're mm -hmm. demanding you know they they don't realize the part of it is they don't know part of it, okay one thing i've learned is like people don't know the simplest things they just think well that toilet's loud well it's it's a high flush toilet and that's the way it's supposed to be <laughs> well i don't like it okay well then change the toilet why should i yeah. change the toilet well you're the yeah. one that doesn't like it like, <laughs> yeah, exactly so, yeah yeah well what about people yeah, exactly. No, ex totally. And, and that's also part of your job, obviously, keeping those, those expectations uh, in line. What, in terms of those expectations for buyers, what advice would you give to, to people buying a home today? Be patient. Be patient. Like, you know, make a list of the things you want in a house. You're never going to get all of them. Nobody, nobody has ever gotten everything they want in a house. If you build your own home, you still don't get everything you want. Yeah. So your expectations have to be reasonable. Now, yeah, as far as the expectations in price, listen, I have buyers that say, listen, I only want to spend $600,000. Okay, we look at everything in the 600 to 625 range. They don't like anything. Well, we can keep looking at that range, but if you don't find anything you like, you might have to change your expectations on what you think you're going to pay. Okay. And, then, and then the market, it's good. like, listen, what, some, what something's worth, whether you're a buyer or a seller, is going to be determined by the market. Right. The market will tell you what that house is worth. If somebody's willing to pay 800 for a house that's worth six, well, that's the market. And, and I'm sure, you, without going into all, all of the stories, I'm sure you've got many stories where the perception of value is, is vastly different than, than reality. Oh, I mean, listen, I've probably seen, uh, I don't even know how many dozens of homes that I've seen sell in the last six months that I thought were sold for at least 50 to hundred thousand over than what they're worth. Okay. But okay. Somebody wanted it bad enough and they paid it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you getting a lot of bidding wars? Is like, is that, is that still going on or? Yeah, it's still going on. It seems to have slowed down a little bit, you know, since okay. they've, uh, since the last shutdown, 
it, it's, it, it's still going on. It's still going on right across the city, but it seemed to have slowed down just a little bit. What's what's the deal with the with the bidding war? I got, I'm going to admit my my lack of real estate knowledge here. I thought if someone put a bid on something, you had to kind of deal with that bid first before you could take another bid. Or no, no, no. The way so the way real estate has always worked is that um, the owner gets to determine which bid they want to deal with. So it used to be people thought that well, I put the bid in first, so they should come back to me first. Well, no, it's 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 not the way it works. Okay. The owner has the right to look at as many offers as they get okay, uh, and, and they basically pick the one that they want. I see. I see. And then everyone else is pretty much out of the running once they've yes. moved on basically. Okay. okay. Well, they're going to pick one offer, right? Unfortunately that's, and that's the sad part. Right. Exactly. You, know what? you got 10 people, one gets yeah. the house and the other nine get the phone call saying, sorry, your bid didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. a hard pill to swallow, believe me. Like, I mean, I've had clients that paid $75,000 over asking on a house and mm-hmm. it sold for 90000 over asking. And they thought they were overpaying at $75,000. Wow. Wow. Wow, so, that's incredible. And, that, and that, I think that, that speaks to what you've mentioned before where they've lost out on four or five or six houses and now they're yeah. anxious to just yeah. get one, you know? Yeah, they panic. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. That's tough. Okay, let's just get to know you a little bit more here, Rocco. Uh, let the audience know a little bit more. Any any hobbies or interests that, that you have, sort of obviously outside of real estate here? Well, like, you know, the, the, the thing is, like, I, 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 I love what I do. I love what I do. I, I, I love real estate. I, I, I do work real estate seven days a week. Uh, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy going to see clients. I, I make it a social event. I, I make it, you know, we meet for coffees if we have to talk about business plans. I go to their house They'll open up a bottle of wine. We'll talk about what they want to buy, what they want to sell. Um, so I, I, I put in my, uh, I still put in my time. I'm trying to spend a little bit less time at work and more time with my daughters. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as far as hobbies goes, I like to golf. But you know, okay. what, this year I got out, I got out once. <laughs> yeah, I got out one time. You know. Yeah. Uh, music, you know, music is very important to me. Uh, we used to have a band, a wedding band in the uh, '83 till about uh, we did it till about 1994. Okay. I uh, really enjoyed that. I enjoy. Uh, and you play you know, the accordion. I play the accordion. I've got some uh, videos out on Facebook with my yeah, sisters those are great. singing. <laughs> and you know what? My sisters are very talented. Uh, you know, I, uh, we did some CDs with them. Uh, we tried to be the uh, musicians, you know, the professional musicians, but it didn't work out. You know, it wasn't <laughs> meant, that wasn't cut in my world, but you know what? Still enjoyed it. And I do it all over again. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, I used to love watching sports. Uh, Unfortunately, for my in my opinion, it's become it's become too political. Okay, uh, you know I watch sports. I kind of watch sports to just unwind. You know that's and interesting. That, I just can, can we just just hold that thought, Rocco? Like, are you saying that because because I'm kind of feeling the same thing? Like for me, you know, I work a lot and and watching a movie or specifically sports. I'm a sports nut. It, it it's it's an escape for me, but. Yep. I want to escape. I don't want to, I don't want to see like more political stuff on uh, when I'm watching a sports thing like that's yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm getting yeah. turned off. Is that the same thing you're getting? hundred percent. And a lot of people that I've been talking to, because like at the end of the day, you know what sports sports brings you back to when you were a kid. Yeah. That's the thing about sports. I loved playing football as a kid. I loved playing street hockey as a kid. We would watch football and watch uh, hockey uh, and even baseball or tennis, things that basketball, things that we played, to bring yeah. you back to your childhood, to remember, you know, how, how bad you were or how good you were. And, and then you got to turn it on and you see all this 
political stuff going on. Yeah. Like I, I got no problem with people having their opinion. Everybody can have their opinion. That's the beauty yeah. of the world. But yeah. there's a time and a place to have your opinion. Yeah. Like I, I can't go into Royal LePage and give them my opinion on stuff. Like I'm there to act as a real estate agent. They don't, they don't hire me to give them my political views. <laughs> and I think that's, that's the problem where we've got, the, got them mixed up. Everybody yeah. has the right to their own opinion. Yeah. But you know what? On, 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 your, on the basketball court or the football field or uh, the ice, well, yeah. I'm sorry, but that's not, the, that's not the place for your opinion. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's that's my personal opinion. Everybody's got their own uh, view on it. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. What, I just want I just want to talk, touch on one thing you mentioned. You had a you were in a, a band. You guys played at weddings and stuff. Was your was your dad musically inclined or? No, no, my no dad uh, didn't did not play an instrument. Uh, okay. My dad loved to dance. My so dad, how did you uh, pick up the accordion? Did he bring you to the, to school or? No, no. So I, when I was about 10 years old, uh, they, they bought a little organ, you know, those little old organs, little, little, little toy organ from consumers, distributors. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I, you know, we fooled around with that, made more noise than music. And my mom <laughs> basically uh, called in the Canadian Conservatory of Music to come to the house and they would test you right on the spot to see what you, you know, how your talents were. Okay. And, you know, went from, went from learning organ to basically learning accordion. And then I started taking I started taking accordion lessons right after that when I was about uh, ten and a half. Wow. And then from that, you know, my sister started singing. My mom okay. loved singing. Every time I practiced, my mom would sing. My sister loved singing. Uh, you know, she started taking vocal lessons. Okay. Uh, then my other sister started started taking vocal lessons, and then we decided to start a band. We started that in 1982. Okay. Uh, the first band lasted a year, and then I opened up. They started another band with some other people in 1983. And, uh, and, and that kind of, uh, kind of, uh, yeah, that even, even that's changed too. I find, uh, yeah. I mean, I haven't been to as many weddings as I used to, but even that's changed like live yep. bands. I find everybody's going to DJs now in the live. I found the live band so much better, but well, again, that's, that's, that's my how, opinion. <laughs> shows you how old you are, Paul. Yeah. Thanks Rocco. Thanks. I was in Vegas a couple of years ago and, uh, uh, the we playing? these, uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, no playing like the accordion. No, 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 no. I was in there for a bachelor party, and uh, oh, okay. we went down to Vegas, and we got into these nice nightclubs. You know, we had the we had the booth right near the stage and all that, and all these big name uh, uh, DJs were coming out. You know, Avicii. Okay. Uh, I don't even know yeah. these guys, right? But <laughs> yeah, like, so the crowd when they like when the when they when they announced this DJ, the crowd went nuts. The yeah. crowd went crazy, and I'm yeah. looking at them going whatever, like the guy's spinning records. It could be taped for all they know. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. you know, it could yeah. be taped. Yeah. But when I was growing up, it was a band. Like you actually listen to guys playing yeah. an instrument and actually performing. Yeah. You know, these guys come out, they stand behind a mic with their hat turned around and, and they, <laughs> they, 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 who knows if it's all taped? I don't know. And, oh, and, and the crowd goes nuts. Yeah. Like we, I'll tell you one night we went there and it was supposed to be a big name. And I can't remember the guy's name. He dated Taylor Swift. And, uh, he was supposed to be, be the DJ that night. So this DJ's on stage and everybody's going crazy. We find out the next night that he got food poisoning, he couldn't make it, and there was somebody else that <laughs> took his place. I, I didn't know. Oh, that's classic. That's classic. Okay, what about favorite food? You got a favorite food? Being Italian, you must love food. Well, my favorite is, listen, I love all foods. I, I, I can <laughs> eat everything and anything. Uh, my favorite, though, is lasagna. For some reason, I don't know. Okay. Just, uh, there's a spot in my heart for lasagna. I just... Uh, but like I said, lasagna. But the whole, homemade pasta. pasta noodles too, or what? 
It doesn't have to be. It doesn't no, have okay. to be. It's just, you know what? I used to help my mom make lasagna, so it's, uh, I would have to stick my hand in the boiling water to separate the pastas because you know, <laughs> no pre-cooked pasta back then. You had to boil no, the pasta. No, exactly. It used to all stick together. So, yeah. I make homemade pasta for my kids now, and they're like, geez, this is so much better than that stuff you buy at the store. Oh, 100%. 100%. But it's time. It comes back <laughs> it to is. time. No, right? exactly. Exactly. Yeah, very well said. Yeah. Very well yeah. said. Okay, I, I don't want to leave the interview here uh, without talking about social media. That's obviously something that, that I'm very passionate about. Do you have a social media platform or channel that that you prefer or, or like and, and why? Well, um, you know, I've been, I've been like, I'll be honest with you, and I mean, it's not a sales pitch, but since we got together, my <laughs> social media has gotten better and people have told me it's gotten better. Um, I, I, I like to do things, but I'm not the I'm not the technical person. So I wouldn't yeah. even, I, I mean, I, 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 I have trouble downloading my songs on Facebook, right? But I'm getting, I'm getting <laughs> used to it. But you know, Facebook is good. Inst, uh, LinkedIn is, is, I like LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, what do you Instagram, like about LinkedIn? You know, just the connection you have with people that you wouldn't otherwise meet or talk to. And in a business sense, you know, you have the opportunity to basically one-on-one -on -one go chat with a person that yeah. you probably would never meet. Right. Yeah, good point. Yeah. What about social media? Do you follow follow anyone or recommend anyone? That I, I don't follow anyone in, in particular. Like I, I go by, I go in spurts. And right now okay. I'm following uh, Gary Vangerchuk. Okay. Oh, Vaynerchuk. good old Gary V. Gary V. And, you know, yeah. I, I just, uh, I kind of. What do you like about Gary? Jeez, you're getting me excited because well, you know I love Gary. What, what do you like Gary, about Gary? I've heard him a couple times and never really followed him. But then, you know, when I'm on the treadmill, you start paying more attention to the person. Yeah. You know what? Same story. You know, he came here. His parents were immigrants. Yeah. You know, he worked his ass off. You know, you listen to his story. The guy worked his whole 20s. You yeah. know, uh, you know, everybody's going out on Saturday night. This guy worked every He's Saturday in the night. Every store, 20s, yeah. You yeah. know, for his dad, you know, yeah. trying to build his family's business. And you know what? Very humble. Didn't spend any money. Saved yeah. all his money. You know, like you got to grow up humble. My mother yeah. always says, you're no better than anybody else. You're no worse yeah. than anybody else, but you're never better than anybody else. Yeah. We're it's so funny. You, it's so funny you say that too, Rocco, because I remember one of the shows, I mean, he's done so he does so many interviews now on all the different channels, but there was one of them that kind of resonated with me. So very similar to what you're saying when he was working at his dad's liquor store and he's bringing booze out uh, to his buddy's car and his buddy's got the, you know, the latest BMW and he's yeah. working at some big, big, big bank and and Gary's like, you know what? I know on my Saturday night, I'm going to be working my ass off because in five, 10 years, I'm going to be way ahead of this guy. And it's, you know, yeah. obviously it's, yeah. it's proven, it's proven for him. All right. Let's just finish off here. Something no one knows about you, Rocco. Something no one knows about me. Yeah. Without putting you too much on the spot here. Yeah. No kidding. Eh? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I love writing music. I mean, uh, okay. it's, it's a, it's a passion. It's uh I tell my wife, I joke around with my wife. I said, you know, I just love to quit real estate and just write music for a living. And she asks, can we, sur can we survive on it? Probably not. She <laughs> says, well, then stick to real estate. I think my wife would say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I have a bunch of songs I've written that I want to get them out to people. It's just, I, I don't know who, uh, who to get them out to. And that's the hardest part. And that's, yeah. and that's, I'll tell you, if you want to get back to the business platform, you know, everybody has great ideas. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's like McDonald's, you know, McDonald's, everybody watched the movie and everybody said, wow, those brothers got taken. You know what? Those, nobody might've known a McDonald's if the guy didn't come in and take it over and take it to the next level. 
Yeah. So, you know, everybody's so worried about giving their up their idea, but an idea, I love this saying, I think it was Les Brown. He says, you know what? When you're on your deathbed, do not have the, uh, the, all the ideas in your head be buried with you. Yeah. And yeah, most of us point. do. Yeah. That's most really of us good. do. Yeah. True. Yeah. So yeah. like I love yeah. music, I love writing music. And you know what? One day maybe I'll meet the person that uh, will take a look at the 15, 20, 30 songs that I wrote and say, you know what? There's two of them that aren't bad. Because yeah. my dream, if I can hear one of my songs being sung by anybody on the radio, yeah, uh, that's like dream come true. Do you have a favorite musician or? You know what? I love all music. Yeah. I love all kinds of music. I love, I, I mean, I'm, I, I love everything. You know, I can go from classical to rap to country Okay. Hip hop. So I just, if a song sounds good, if a song resonates to me, you're right. I, I was going to say that it resonates. Yeah. It's got meaning. Yeah. 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 Very well said. Very well said. Okay. Rocco, I really appreciate uh, the time you spent with us and, and the audience here. This is, this has been, uh, this has been incredible. Uh, I thank you for the time. I no wish problem. you uh, best of luck here to the end of uh, 2020 and, uh, and into 2021. Thanks very much, Rocco. Not a problem. And Paul, if anybody wants to reach out and anybody wants, has any questions, you know what? I always believe that you got to pay it forward. And if anybody uh, has any questions on anything, reach me by email or uh, any way you can. Yeah, for sure. Thanks very much, Rocco. Appreciate it. Have a great day, Paul. Okay, cheers. For those that are buying or selling a house, commercial property, or looking to rent, you can contact our guest, Rocco Manfredi, at www.roccomanfredi.com. That's www.roccomanfredi.com. Or alternatively, you can send him an email at rmanfredi at royallepage.ca. Also be sure to check out the Manfredi Group page on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks very much for tuning in to this edition of the Ottawa Business Podcast. We hope you're able to find some information that will help your business grow and thrive into the future. Please don't forget to like and subscribe to the show. We're on Apple iTunes Podcast, Spotify, or your favorite player. Thank you.